0: Canine Cast number 63 is brought to you by Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID Microchips on the web at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara.
0: And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap in case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 62 we had an interesting story about dog do that may power a city sometime in the future plus we had tips for owners who want to teach their dogs how to fetch and we had a news item about a canine charity event a discussion about rolled collars and we had help for someone whose younger dog was not letting their older dog play
1: thanks walter on today's canine cast we are going to be talking a little bit about different dog related careers as well as talking about a dog who likes to lick a whole, whole lot and what to do about that, some suggestions. Um, so to get started, we got an email from Nikki, and in this email she asked for information about uh, careers working with dogs. She writes, I was hoping you would consider podcasting about what as humans can do if we really would like to work with dogs. I know shelters and vets' offices, but are there other things out there? By trade I am a graphic designer, but at some point I would really like to do something where I can work with and help dogs. Nikki. Well, Nikki, me too, me too. Um well I'm not a graphic designer, I'm not quite that talented, but uh but for quite some time I've been looking at you know different ways that I can, you know, work with and help dogs, and as a matter of fact, that's what got me interested in doing the canine cast was I said, Oh, you know, this would be a, a great way to, you know, to talk about this interest that I have in dogs, but at the same time, you know, hopefully help the, uh, the dogs out there, um, as well as the people who have them and love them by, you know, sharing different information. So, um, so that's, that's how I came about to this. But to get back to your question, um, so far as all of the things that are out there, there, there are just a countless, countless number of different ways to work with dogs or to do work that while it may not be directly with dogs. It's related to dogs in some form or fashion and basically people just um, come up with ideas where they use their own talents in working with dogs in so many different ways that it's, it's absolutely amazing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over some different things that I found, some, um, some things that may be, you know, more more, more or less unusual And, um, you know, just to give you some ideas of the things that are out there, I'm not going to go over too much what's involved in getting um, into these, except that, you know, there are some things that you can just kind of pick up and go right away, whereas there are some things that take quite a bit of training beforehand, and I'll kind of try to indicate which of those things, um, you know, maybe one or the other. So that, um, you know, just to give you some ideas for where, you know, for where you can start for, you know, that day that you may be able to, Go work with dogs. Now, first of all, most dog-related careers or jobs um, don't don't necessarily pay in the highest pay scales. So, a lot of people will work part time with dogs, and then they also have their day job, which is you know what provides the main source of their income. Um, So, that's one thing to keep in mind you know, as, as we go about this. And that's why, I mean, for me, probably the point at which I get to work, you know, totally with dogs will be, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe one day I'll get very, very lucky and uh, get a whole bunch of money backing me and then I can just work with dogs all the time. Um, You know, until, until then, you know, it'll probably be a hobby or something that I do when I retire, or at least when I retire from my day job. So to get started here, animal careers, um, one of the first things that people think about when they think about working with dogs is training, and um, it, it's it's very interesting in um, in working with the dog club back where I used to live. Um, well, you know, training there and such. There were a number of people who were um, who were what you'd call professional dog trainers. And most of them, the, that was kind of a second job for them. That was, you know, something they did in addition to something else, or they had started out doing something else and, and eventually transitioned into uh, becoming a dog trainer over time. And, and, and the story that I used to hear from so many of them was, you know, that they would get the call from somebody basically saying, oh, you know, I want, I want to be a dog trainer. How do I go about doing that? And basically, um, the types of trainers I'm talking about right now are real really I guess you could term them um you know instructors, the types of trainers who would say run a an obedience class or you know an agility class or you know would would help people with um, different types of dog problems but weren't necessarily um, you know behaviorists when i when I speak about behaviorists normally i'm talking about veterinary behaviorists, and there's you know a very a long amount of schooling behind that or um, applied animal behaviorists where, you know, there's, there's a lot of schooling behind them too. That's behaviorists you're talking about, um, you know, school to the master's or doctorate degree level. But, um, for dog trainers, the types that that you normally see in instructing classes and such, um, the way to get into that is much less structured per se, but, um, but a, a great way to start is basically with, you know, training, training your own dog or dogs. And as you're doing that, you know, kind of getting to know different trainers in your area and then um, you know, th- one of the best things to do is to kind of you know apprentice with a respected trainer in your area. And there are some dog training schools where they will actually have kind of a uh, trainer in training program that you can go through and you know start out with assisting them with classes and eventually work your way up to um, to becoming a dog trainer. Now, in addition to that, there are other there are other people that. Um, that Kind of come under the heading of trainer as well, but do that for for different things. Um, some of those are guide or service dog trainers. Now, um, with guide dogs, particularly you know guide you know guide dogs for the blind, I'm speaking about here, they have uh, generally very regimented programs that have um, very few spaces open, and um, you know many many applicants to get into those those uh, spaces, and what happens there is people start out basically, again, kind of at an apprentice level and work their way up through, you know, a number of different levels to get to where they're, you know, a trainer or an instructor there. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of neat. Um, takes, takes a while, but, um, you know, of course that's, that's a very rewarding job that, you know, where you can work with dogs and, and people with service dogs. It's, um, a little bit less structured because first of all, when I talk about service dogs, I'm talking about you know, dogs that can do a, a number of different things for people. A lot of times those are um, dogs that help people who are deaf or um, maybe who are mobility impaired or maybe who, um, you know, seizure um, seizure uh, dogs. Now with the seizure dogs, I'm not necessarily talking about the ones that alert somebody when they have a seizure. That's something that dogs just kind of, you know, they, they either have that ability or don't. But there are um, seizure response dogs that when a person has a seizure, does certain things to help keep the person safe. So um, with those, like I said, it's a lot less structured um, because people come into it many, many different ways. A lot of of people who have those kinds of service dogs will actually train their own dogs and may help to train dogs for other people or they will go see, um, you know, specialized instructors who will teach them how to train their dogs. Um, And then there are some trainers who, you know, just through, through different channels have picked up the ability to, um, you know, train service dogs. And some, some of them, it's very interesting, their stories. Some of them, it may have been a friend needed a dog, so they just decided to help them out or, or whatever. Um, but that's another type of trainer. Then of course, for those of you who are, you know, who have your, um, who've seen dogs in movies and television and may have, you know, certain ones that you're fans of, those dogs, of course, are also um, trained by people, where that's the person's job. Is they um, they specifically train dogs for movies and television. Um, now, all of these that I'm talking about, like I said the salaries aren't that high. And wh- what's interesting is with the movie and television dogs, there's a number of times where the dog is actually paid more than the dog's trainer for for these. Um, that's one that's kind of tough to break into, but. Um, kind of anybody, anybody can, in theory, do it. You just have to, you know, get the context. It's kind of like a person trying to break into show business, you know, as an actor or actress or what have you. Um, you know, simil- similar to um, the types of, you know, the way that you would go about it, except, of course, you're doing it with a, you know, a dog that you've trained or, you know, multiple dogs. Um, so those are some different, um, some different training career, training careers. And um, a couple, a couple of other ones that I just kind of, that I just kind of, um, you know, came across and have seen, um, d- there are careers with, within um, dog shows or dog trials. So if you're, if you're somebody who, you know, trains your own dogs to show them, you know, in trials, say, you know, obedience or agility or, um, you know, for people who work, who do confirmation with their dogs, there are, there are people who, mo- there are people who, you know, show their own dogs. That's, that's fairly common. Um, but there are also people who are dog handlers and actually will show other people's dogs. It's more common in confirmation than in agility or or obedience, but you do see it. Um, and what happens there, this is another one that takes a while to build up to because, um, in order to handle somebody's dog, you need to know what you're doing. And the way you get that experience is through training and working with dogs of your own in most cases. So, you know, there's a number of people that do that. And then, um, also with um, dog shows and, tri- and trials, there are judges now in, in, in dog shows as in confirmation, what you normally see on TV. That is, that's a very long road to get to be a judge there because you need to become very, very familiar, um, really an expert in a particular breed. And then you know from there, there are some that are experts in, in more than one breed. But, um, but that, takes, that takes decades of time to do that. Now, with other, with other types of trials, such as obedience, agility, um, and so on, normally the route that people go to become a judge there is they actually you know, compete in that area. Um, you know, they, they may have obedience dogs or agility dogs. They, can, they compete, and they become very, very familiar with you know, the rules, with what's expected, and so on. Um, you know, generally, they have a certain amount of success in that arena, and then they can um, do training and go on to become a judge So that it it still, it still takes quite a bit of time. Um, how much time it takes, you know, partially depends on is how many dogs you're, you're working with and and training and how well you do with them. Um, but you know, but that's, but that's something that a number of people do kind of more, more as a hobby than a career, but, um, but do and can do until very, very late in life. So that's definitely something that comes under the heading of like a, you know, second or maybe third job. Um, other things that you can do with dogs, there are there are dog groomers. Uh, a lot of dog groomers that you know that's that's their job. that's what they do. and um, that can be their first job. A lot of times there are you know there's training that you can get in order to become a dog groomer through different schools and such. but um, you know in some areas you can apprentice in order to learn how to be a groomer as well. One type of dog related career that seems to be growing very, very much in popularity, are um, pet sitters and also dog walkers. Now with that, you can basically just kind of, just kind of, you know, get started on your own there, um, you know, or you can start with somebody else. And bas- the, the biggest things with that are just, you know, getting getting some references and, you know, people who will, you know, who will help you to, you know, tell potential clients that yes, you, you know, you, you do a good job and so on and so forth, and a lot of times the people that get into that are people who are pretty much doing this anyway for, you know, friends, family, and so on, and say, well, you know, maybe I can turn this into a job and, and do this as well, and, and that's something that, you know, some people do it as a second job, and a number of people do it as a first job as well. Um, now, along those lines, and right now we're ta- ta- talking about, um, you know, dog caretakers, there's also uh, kennel attendants, um, and and that you see that most of the time in boarding kennels or or dog daycare, where they actually you know work with the dogs, taking care of the dogs, you know clean, clean up after them, walking them, you know different things like that. Um, and like I said, that normally takes place in boarding kennels or dog daycare. A uh, similar thing you know takes place in shelters or veterinary offices, but um, you know but yeah a lot of people know about those too. Uh, another thing i'd like to point out is that in um, the places that I mentioned before, boarding kennels, daycares, shelters, and veterinary offices, there are a variety of positions there that people can work you know with the animals or you know w- with um, other other areas, um, more specifically you know management or front office type things and um and especially in shelters, you know, I just want to point out because it, it can be very, very varied. There are a number of different positions, such as um, volunteer coordinators, adoption counselors, um, fundraising, marketing, PR people. It just it really depends on the size of the shelter. But it's amazing how in the the bigger shelters there are so many people who, re- they really don't necessarily interact with the animals on an everyday basis. But it, it takes them to still um, make this make the organization run. It's it's absolutely amazing, and um. And do great jobs, and come from all different backgrounds. At uh, at one of the shelters where I used to help out, there was a woman who was who was their marketing director, and she had she had her MBA, but she, you know she loved animals and, and really really wanted to work in a in a capacity where she could help the animals. So that's the way she did it, which was really really neat. So so those are some um, you know gone from working you know with with the animals to. Um, now, now we're getting into working with things that are kind of related to the animals. Some more dog-related things you can do that where you won't necessarily be interacting with the dogs themselves. Um, a, a more and more popular one these days are um, you know retailers, uh, especially specialty retailers with dog equipment or supply. For example, I've known people who have built agility equipment and sold it. Um, you know, that's kind of a you know a second job for people who are really handy. Um, people who have made specialty dog wear and dog gear, um, specialty collars and and leashes and stuff, and have done you know, and toys and have done very very well with that. Um, another another one that's kind of um, you know uh, becoming a bigger market very quickly is the gourmet dog treat market. Um, and in a lot of places now, you'll find little shops where you'll go in and they'll have you know basically homemade dog treats there. And as a matter of fact. Um, In the area where we used to live, there was this upscale shopping center where one of their things was that you could bring your dog and a lot of the stores were very dog friendly. And it always amazed me that there wasn't a gourmet, you know, dog treat shop there. And uh, one of of my little, you know, dreams for the future was to, you know, maybe look into doing that one of those days. So um, and and now actually where we live, there's there's one down the street. So it's like ready made there for me, which is kind of cool. Uh, Some other dog-related things, um, artists, writers, um, people, you know, people who can do things related to dogs. With with artists, um, I've seen a number of, of artists who work actually normally with retailers or dog training schools or something along those lines where they'll just, you know, basically, you know, have advertisements there for people to get um, you know, p- pictures of their of their dogs painted, or so on and so forth, and um, you know, who do just do lovely, lovely jobs, and apparently, you know, that's something that can be, you know, a great a great second job as well, and you know, the people really really enjoy it. One of one of these days, we hope to, you know, be able to get some some pictures of our dogs painted too. For right now, we just have we just have photos. Uh, and speaking of photos, photographers are another one. Um, especially at um, dog shows, trials, and such, people normally, especially if they win, if they do a good job, they will want pictures of their dogs, and so they do a great business there, you know, taking pictures of the dogs in action, and also, you know, with, with ribbons and such afterwards, so that's that's um, a really neat opportunity as well. Um, most, most dog shows and trials are on the weekend, so that's something that can be done, you know, on the weekend, in addition to a normal job and I would mentioned writers before, there are so many dog magazines. And I mean, even even within the genre of dog magazines, there's so many different types. So for, you know, for people who are writers, um, you can either either freelance, or you know, if you if you're able to get an article writing position for those magazines, I've known people who've done that before as well. Um, That's another great job where you can um you know not only not only write and that and that can be fun but also increase awareness of different you know dog related issues and of course you know for those people who who really really have a writing bent um it seems like more and more these days i'm coming across books that are written about dogs both you know fiction and nonfiction, and, and also some that kind of seem to go somewhere in between they're based on a true story um, but those those are just um you know I find them absolutely fascinating, and I guess other people do too because like I said, it seems like we're seeing more of them these days. so you know so that's another way that you can kind of um you know get get into you know not necessarily working with a dog but can use you know a talent if you have that particular talent to you know to help dogs or increase awareness or you know or just to have a lot of fun um writing about dogs. So those are just some some ideas. Um, We had a little while ago. I talked about a pet detective, who basically what this person did was help to find lost dogs. So um, you know, in addition to you know animal control helping to find lost dogs, you know if you're you lost your dog, then you could call in this person, and they have you know a number of different ways that they help to reunite lost dogs with their owners. So I mean, it's just really these are just some of the things that you know that I've come across over time that you can do, but really, it's only limited by your imagination. And I'm sure there are many people who work with dogs in ways that, you know, that haven't brought up or, you know, haven't, you know, haven't thought of yet. So, you know, so I would say, you know, just keep a lookout and see where, you know, your talents may lie. And how, you know, at some point in the future, if you get, you know, struck by a spark, or you find a niche market with dogs that, that, you know, nobody is doing that yet, then that may be something that you'd like to try. Because, you know, Dogs are just increasing in in popularity and in importance in people's lives. So, chances are that a lot of the you know different animal-related positions, while they may not necessarily start paying that much more in the future, the market for them will probably grow, and probably the opportunities for them will grow as well. So, I'm glad that you wrote in about that, Nikki. Got to go over lots lots of lots of different things there, and I wish you luck as you you know go on your journey to find your you know your dog related job that'll be a lot of fun for you at some point in the future. And so this next email is from Cheryl and she writes in about her dog. She writes, I have a wonderful three-year-old chihuahua named Cooper. He is absolutely perfect. His obedience training was easy and he learned all his commands almost instantly. Everyone remarks at how friendly and well behaved he is and he is continually looking to learn new things. Cooper has one small problem though. He's a crazy licker. When he was a puppy, it was cute, and I let him do it freely without thinking about the repercussions later in life. As he grew, I realized he was licking when he was nervous, restless, or just bored. He'll lick anyone and go straight for the face if he can reach it. Once I realized what was happening, I tried to teach him to stop. I started taking him on walks every day to tire him out, and I taught him the command enough for when he starts licking. I say enough, and he stops, for a moment, then starts again when he thinks it's safe. I watch for the licking obsession to show signs of starting, and I will grab a toy and play with him to try and redirect that behavior. Other redirection I've tried include going outside, going to the kennel for 5-10 to minutes, Kongs, and ice cubes to lick instead of people. Everything that I have tried has failed miserably. He enjoys the walks and playtime, but once they're over he goes right back to licking. Can you give me any suggestions? Is it possible that I waited too long and this has become a nervous tick I can't stop? Luckily for me and Cooper, my friends don't mind the licking, but I'd like to get it under control before we meet someone that does. Thanks, Cheryl and Cooper.
0: Well, I don't know about any other chihuahuas that lick a
1: lot. No, none in this house. I don't
0: know anything about that. Definitely
1: de- definitely none named Toby. <laughs> um, actually, actually it's, it's kind of funny to read your email, Cheryl, because you could be describing our Toby and you know down down to the point where you know it's it's kind of started out as our fault it was, I mean well grow, growing up you know I've always had dogs and one trick we've always taught them is give a, give me a kiss and then they'll you know give us a little we'll lick on the chin and and that's fine so that was always something that was encouraged well you know so with Toby we did that too because it's the same you know it's just something we've always done with our dogs difference being the uh no other dog has taken on to the licking habit quite the way he he has and he's orally fixated um so so it sounds like cooper kind of does the same thing and actually a number of the chihuahuas that i've known throughout time have been rather licky little little dogs so it may it may be a breed thing that we're kind of working against too um now so so far as you know as what's going on with him i'm um the, the list of things that you've tried with him is actually it's a, it's a really really good list and i think that you are on the right track in that you said that if if you do tell him enough then he will stop so that's so that's a good sign even if he does just stop for a second um it sounds like so so far so far as stopping it altogether like getting him to stop licking that sounds like it would probably be really really difficult Um, Because, well, first of all, it sounds like he has it as a habit. And second of all, licking is a normal canine behavior. I mean, that's something that that a lot of dogs do. So long as he isn't licking himself and causing himself sores or anything like that, then, um, you know, luckily it's not something that you have to worry about stopping quite as much other than, you know, it just might be nice if he's not licking stuff and people all the time. Um, and we, you know, we had the same thing where no, nobody really minded the licking until one of our friends came over who unfortunately was allergic to dog saliva and, you know, poor, you know, poor girl Toby jumps up to lick her and saying hello and she was trying to get away from him. That's the point at which we realized we need to uh, get it under control. So um, what what I would suggest doing is, um, as, as, you, as uh, you said, you'd taught him the command enough for when he starts. And that's that's great because it sounds like he does respond to it because he stops for a moment. Um, But what I would suggest is to go ahead and take that a step further. Um, Now, since you had mentioned that he, you know, that he did really well at his obedience training and learned his commands, then if he learned how to do a stay command, you can pretty much teach him um, the enough command almost in the same way. Um, You know, if he knows knows how to stay, you've already been through teaching him that, then you've got like, you're one step ahead. What I would recommend doing is um, not only use the enough command to get him to stop but also give him a command that allows him to start licking. Now the reason why the reason why I say that is because what you're going to do with these two commands is you're going to tell him enough in order to stop. You're going to give him the other command in order to tell him um, you know okay he can start. You can you can almost use it as a as a reward but in addition it'll almost be like releasing him from a stay. Um, Now if you know you talk about how you know he'll stop and then just starts again when he thinks it's safe well, with people who teach their dog stay, if they never teach their dog a release command, like if they never teach their dog when it's all right to stop staying, then the dog will just eventually release themselves. Um, now, I mean, probably the most important part of the stay is is the release to keep the dog from um, you know from just getting up, and that's how people can teach their dog to stay for you know half an hour or an hour or however long because you know the dog knows that it's supposed to be in one place till it hears that release. That's kind of what, uh, what we want you to accomplish with the enough command and then the command to allow your dog to start licking. Um, and the same as when you started this state. You're not, you're not going to expect your dog to stop licking for 10 minutes at a time right off the bat. Just, you know, say enough and have him, you know, stop licking. As soon as he stops licking, you know, give him a little praise. Try not to give him so much that he'll start again. Um, give him a, a, a little praise and then within a second, go ahead and tell him to start licking again and then he's going to start licking and you know and, and praise him for that because he did because he did what you wanted him to do then very very slowly you can increase the amount of time between when you say enough and when you tell him to start licking the same way that when you teach your dog to stay you slowly increase the time between when you tell him to stay and then when you release them so so what will happen is okay, is you know for a little while okay maybe he'll only stop for you know 10 seconds and then later on maybe he'll only stop for 30 and you know, maybe then he'll only stop for five, but hey, then he's stopping, you know, for five minutes waiting for you to tell him to start again. And that's pretty good. And over time, you can increase that to half an hour to an hour to whatever. Now, um, that's that I would say, use that as um, the first step. And that'll probably be, you know, kind of the the biggest, the biggest step towards, you know, towards getting him to, to quote, unquote, stop, Um, not really stop, but to, to managing it. Now, when other people are around or, you know, just just if you notice that he does seem to be, you know, licking whatever pretty, you know, pretty consistently, he seems to be nervous or whatever, um, have him stop and then go ahead and redirect it to something else. If you can give him something else to lick, then that would be great. And you said that you're already starting to do that by using ice cubes or Kongs. Um, frozen Kongs are actually great. They can last forever. And since he's a teeny dog, you can, if you want to, get him a big, big Kong um, that would take him some time to lick through. Um, and what I what I would recommend doing is, you know, tell him enough, have him have him wait, you know, for however long he's able to wait during that time, go get him, you know, his Kong or whatever, and then give, you know, give him his lick command. And then he has his Kong there. That's kind of his, um, you know, his reward for, you know, for stopping when you told him and also starting again when you want him to. Um, So, and, and meanwhile, you will have redirected the behavior. So yeah, he'll, he'll be sitting there licking, but you know, if you have a great big frozen Kong, he'll probably be licking on it for quite some time. Um, Another thing that I would suggest doing is uh, you said that, that he seems to lick when he's restless or bored. So do as many different things as you can to enrich his environment. You're already doing a great job by taking him on the long walks and, um, you know, and trying to just, to, um, you know, redirect him with toys and such. Um, there are certain toys that will be great for enriching his environment. Uh, one example, um, well, the mo- the most well-known one is, is the Buster Cube where it's, but, but basically there's, there's a lot of toys that, are, that come under this category where you can put treats into them and then the dog kind of moves them around and figures out how to get the treats out. That's a great one uh, to enrich the environment and he probably won't lick it too much because licking it by itself isn't going to get the, the treats out. He might, he might at the beginning but eventually he'll realize that he has to kind of push it around and run after it and that kind of thing. So that may be um, a good way to distract him as well um other other toys there are ones where you know where there are other things that'll go inside say there's you know like a big box with holes um with squishy holes and then there'll be a little squeaker toys inside or you know things along those lines for them to pull apart those are great um they tend to give them a lot of mental stimulation so they tire them out um now along the lines of mental stimulation if you're not already uh, doing long down stays with him then I would recommend doing that, um, you know, especially if he's doing thing, you know, things like licking because he seems nervous, um, because that, um, the long down stays take an enormous amount of mental energy, um, and it'll kind of tire him out the same way that, uh, that a long walk would, but in, in, in kind of a different way, and it tends to just calm their whole demeanor, which might be good for him as well insofar as lessening the licking behavior. Um, now we've, we've talked about it before, but just, you know, uh, real, real quick, the long down stay is basically having your dog lay down and stay there for 30 minutes. If he is not already worked up to doing that, um, then the way that you would teach him to do that is just, you know, tell him to down and stay and stay with him while you're doing this great way to start it is, you know, sit down to watch a half hour TV show. And while it's on, do this with him. Um, have him lay, have him lay down and stay. If he gets up, just put him back in the down position. Keep doing that for you know for 30 minutes. He may fall asleep during that time. That's fine, so long as he is down during that time. Um, but you know, just do that every do that every single night for you know for about a week or so, and he'll probably during that time um, you know get it and understand it. Once he gets it and will actually do this consistently, um, you you know, and you see kind of a reduction in the you know nervous licking behavior, then you can start. Um, if you if you want, to, you can start doing it less. You can do it maybe, you know, three times a week or something like that. But keep up to it to a certain amount because it really does make a huge huge difference in their behavior and their demeanor, just in general, and seems to calm them down a lot. So uh, so those are I know a lot of different suggestions to try. Um you know and and I would say you know all of them are pretty compatible with each other, so just you know try them all and you know see see if those help with him um if he if he does get to the point where he is licking himself and causing um, any sores or anything, then please uh, contact your vet and, you know, talk to them. And they may, you know, they may be able to see if there's any, any, any other problems there, any physical problems that are causing that, or they may be able to refer you to a behaviorist because we don't want him hurting himself. But, um, so long as he's not doing that, then, you know, just trying these different suggestions should be fine. And, you know, and just, you know, give them some time and give, you know, be sure to be consistent about it because with a well ingrained habit like this, it will take some time for these things to take effect. But if, you know, if you stick with it, you'll get to the point where you can at least lessen it by telling him to stop and giving him a a licking break, um, you know, to kind of break up his day. So good luck with that, Cheryl, and also to Cooper as well. Thanks for writing in and be sure to write us back and let us know how it goes. So now we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now I can smell a 7-ounce fillet with hollandaise sauce about 4 miles from here. Mmm, I love fillet. I think I'll go see if they
0: have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And now it's time for listener pictures. This picture is sent in by Jason. And you may remember Jason from the last Canine cast where he called in and left us a voicemail. And this is a picture of Steve and Max. And Steve is 18 months old, and Max is nearly 3 years old. And they're both miniature schnauzers. And Jason says that they're both in level 4 of obedience training. And that Jason's learning to become an instructor himself. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason says that he loves miniature schnauzers, and he thinks they make the best companions. And you can see the picture of Stephen Max on the Canine Cast listeners' picture gallery on CanineCast.com or on your color iPods or on iTunes.
1: Thanks for sending in that picture, Jason. We love getting pictures from our listeners of their dogs and also hearing different stories about their dogs, as well as you know questions and feedback and just different dog-related information that you you know that you hear different news stories and such. It's great to, you know, hear from all of our listeners and be able to interact with you. So if you'd like to email us or send us a voicemail, the information for that will be available for you at the end of the show. And actually, we're just about there right now. So um, until next time, thank you so much for joining us and listening to us and supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And until our next show, if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend.
0: If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS, and you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.